CB Insights. CB Insights presents a conversation with cryptocurrency billionaire Michael Novogratz. This conversation was recorded June 27, 2017, six days after the infamous Ethereum flash crash. Bitcoin was at 2500. The interviewer is CNBC's Dominic Chu. For more information about CB Insights, visit cbinsights.com. I'm very happy and honored to be sitting next to Mike Novogratz, who is probably one of the, I'm trying to think the best way to say this, probably one of the most talented and visionary people on Wall Street. And I'm not just doing that to butter you up. You've had a very storied career on Wall Street, uh, most recently at Fortress and now kind of on your own doing a lot of very interesting things namely with regard to the cryptocurrency space. So, for all of you guys who did kind of catch the last part of our program here, we use that as a way to kind of tee up our next conversation right now with Mike Novogratz, because he's a man who's got a lot of investing expertise and is now chosen. I saw for the record, Mike, that you had 10% of your net worth in crypto. Is it fair to say that that 10% mark is still accurate for your involvement in cryptocurrencies? You know, I, I made that comment about two months ago at a Harvard Business School uh, seminar. And at that point, Ether was trading about $60 and Bitcoin was about 1400 And so when Ether went up to 400 and Bitcoin went up to 2800 2900 uh, um, you know, my net worth grew. And um, to be honest, I've sold a bunch. Uh, I think the market uh, had a spectacular run and, you know, trees don't grow to the sky. And so I probably still have a roughly 10% of my net worth uh, in crypto. Uh, but it's been scaled back. But it's been scaled way back. I, I own a lot less coins. They're just worth more. Right. Um, uh, and I, you know, I'm still positively constructive on this space overall. Listen, you know, Ethereum started the year at $8 and it went to $400. Um, I look at these things less in price and more in market cap. And I think one of the, the things that helped us make a lot of money and stay, stay in them as long as we could was looking at market cap. And but how do you look at market cap? I mean, this is first of all, this space, the only I mean, there's tons of crypt, the, the list of cryptocurrencies out there in their market caps is not like a Bible, but it's 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 pretty long. There's a lot of them out there. We, we talk about Bitcoin because it's the biggest and Ether because it's the second biggest. How do you compare when you when you say that you used market cap as a gauge for kind of understanding the size of market and when to kind of get in or out? How did you benchmark that? Because there aren't that many comparables, I well, guess, in that space. I think the right way to do this is, what, what makes it tricky is people call them currencies. These things are absolutely not They're currencies. definitely not currencies, right? Right. They're either, you should think of them as either digital equities or, quite frankly, even digital commodities. Commodities, yeah. Um, I was thinking digital equity because I was thinking, how does this translate into the VC space? You know, people get really, really wealthy in the VC space because you put Five hundred thousand or two hundred thousand dollars into it, a round at a three million dollar valuation or a eight million dollar valuation, and it becomes Uber, and it's worth sixty billion dollars. And oh my goodness, I've made a fortune. Well, most of those people don't have a chance of liquidity the whole way, so they just. Yeah, I remember Peter Thiel, who famously uh, invested five hundred thousand dollars in Facebook. Uh, he sold it as soon as the IPO came out when there was liquidity. If he had held it, it had gone a lot higher. It's really hard to hold something that you have liquidity in. 
because it doesn't come that often or because it came at one point that after such a long stretch of not having it? Well, you're forced, like your parents got wealthy because they bought a house. They couldn't sell their house because they needed somewhere to live and the house went from 40000 to 400000 If they had bought a stock, they wouldn't have the, the courage to hold it the whole way. And so what's been hard about the digital currency space is these are really VC investments, but they've given you the chance to sell at 12. You know, you bought it at one and it's at 12. I made 12 times my money. I should sell some or at 15 or at 20 or at 50 or at 100. And so I know the Ethereum community very well. You'd be shocked at how many of the programmers, the guys that built Ethereum, sold out all their Ether um, because we got it they at could. one and now it's at 30. Right. Um, and so... But by looking at it as a VC investor, uh, not that I was such a great VC investor, I was a macro guy, but I was putting a VC hat on and saying, all right, these are system change companies. You know, Ether is, is, a, is a platform company. Um, Uber is at a $70 billion valuation. You know, Google at a, at a $800 billion valuation is kind of yardsticks. Uh, could Ether be Google? Yeah, in 15 or 20 years it could, if it really, the blockchain revolution really happens, but but not in three years. Um, and so you're not going to that level right away. Could it get to, to Uber? Yeah, but it got pretty close at 45 billion, and it's not proven out yet. You know, and there's competitors, uh, just like Uber might not keep its valuation. Uh, and so it's a much easier bet at $3 billion than it is at $40 billion. And so you should have less of a bet. Uh, is the way I'm thinking about it. You're a macro guy by trade. I mean, this is you've, you've taken different views on, on bigger picture themes that develop here. As we talk about the price action in things like Bitcoin and Ether and other cryptos out there, how much of it is you putting on that macro hat and checking out the fundamental environment that these things operate in, the competitors in the space, the moats if they have any, or, or the lack thereof? Or is it very much more about price action than it is anything else. No, so I think you have to understand the story. And what I think is so interesting about this blockchain story is that it's happening. We will use blockchain more in two years than we use it today. We will use it more in six years than we use it today. It will be prevalent. Most giant databases will be switched to some form of a blockchain database. Every company, every industry has a lot of data. And so the blockchain revolution is happening, like it or not. Um, bubbles, great bubbles happen around stories that are gonna happen. The internet bubble in 1999 happened uh, because you could sit down with, with anybody and explain what the internet was gonna to do to the world. And listen, it did a lot more by 2017 than we ever dreamed it would in 1999, but price went way ahead because it was such a, a story that you get your hands around. Blockchain is gonna be very similar. And what's even more unique is because you can access it through your cell phone or through your computer, you've got Korea and Taiwan and Japan and India and China, and not just the wealthiest people in those places participating, but everybody in those places are participating. So I sense that this blockchain, Bitcoin, Ethereum, ICO revolution is gonna be the single greatest bubble of our lifetime. Um, That's a big call for a guy who's got 10% of his net worth in and, crypto. You know, is it one? Is it going to be straight one directional? No, it's not. I think we might have put the, the the highs in for the year in Ethereum, and you're gonna 
you're going to slowly consolidate, I don't know what the price would be, 150 to 250, as the technology continues to get built out, as applications continue to happen, uh, and then you'll take another run up. But I don't think we're even close to the end of this. I mean, if, remember, the NASDAQ capped out, I, I think it was around four and a half or five trillion dollar market cap in 99. Uh, the total market cap of all the digital currency space, you throw it together and you're, we're maybe at 200 billion. Uh, you know, if you throw the value of the companies in there as well. And so we're still small. So the cliche is you use the baseball analogy. So what inning is it then in crypto? Second yeah, inning? Third inning. Third inning. Um, but listen, if you buy Ether at 400 and it goes to 200, I don't care what inning you think it is, it feels really shitty. Yeah, it does uh, feel pretty shitty. You know? yeah. And so you've got to be pretty careful on when you enter you know, these things. There are a ton of ICOs out there right now. I think there's been $500 million raised since the last time I spoke, which was about six weeks ago. Um, <laughs> Some of these are real companies that are going to do really neat things. Some of these are white papers run by one guy. And so I think you got to do your homework on what ICO you're participating in. They're all at really high valuations. I think there's a monster regulatory risk. Uh, people are going to say, mm, these are securities offerings. Well, no, they're not. Yeah. Smells like, you know, that, that old joke when you were a kid. Smells like, tastes like. Yeah, it is. You know, and so I think that's the biggest risk of the space. The CB Insights machine intelligence platform synthesizes, analyzes, and visualizes millions of documents to deliver fact-based insights. It enables smart companies to predict trends, see competitor strategies, explore new markets, and reveal opportunities to capitalize on change. Visit cbi.bc today to learn more. So, so there are um, there is at least one ETF that I kind of look at every once in a while that tracks you know this basket of cryptocurrencies. And at one point, I had a, a viewer uh, tweet direct message me about how, hey, look at this thing. This fund trades at like you know the NA. It's like a, this massive premium, like eighty percent premium to net asset value for these things. Is there is there is a danger beyond just the, you know, the prices that we see. It's also the idea that there is kind of this retail demand, and that if they can't find a way to get it, or transact in the direct markets, they find a way through an exchange traded fund, and those things trade at bubbleicious valuations as well. So, so, so how does that dynamic play? And do you expect that the landscape to change if there are that many more participants who are going to use it, not because you're a seasoned crypto user, but because you can just get it through an exchange-traded fund? Yeah, I mean, listen, the people were, were praying that the Winklevoss Trust got approved because it would allow, you know, the, the, the equity investor an easy way in. Because dollars would then be able to find their way to... As opposed to having to set up a, a wallet on Coinbase and wire your money in. And uh, I have lots of stories. I told a bunch of my college friends at a Christmas dinner that they should buy uh, Ethereum. And it was about $8. And one guy called his broker and said, buy me $100,000 of Ethereum. And the broker didn't buy it because he didn't know how to buy it. He called back. I never did it. And then now, of course, it went up and the guy's screaming at him. Um, and Firing so, his broker. You know, access to this stuff is more difficult than most people uh, buying a stock. Uh, that's getting changed pretty quick. Sure, because of fintech. And, yeah. you know, I think there, there, I think there's going to be 
funds set up to arbitrage these price discrepancies, and those will go away pretty quick. But there's a big risk uh, that, you know, when it was a small little market cap, the regulators don't pay that much attention. When you're now talking hundreds of billions of dollars, the moment consumers start losing lots of money because they foolishly go in and buy the hype and lose, that's when the regulators come out and say, ho, 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 wait, wait a minute here. And so, you know, when I talk to the, the blockchain community, I'm always pushing them. I'm like, dude, A, pay your taxes. Because nobody in that space pays taxes. It's a bunch of libertarian, uh, anti-government. It's a way to circumvent the government. That's the whole point, right? And listen, the IRS is going to come after people. Uh, you know, people are making real money now. And so, like, the IRS isn't stupid. Uh, we pay our taxes. Um, but it's also develop sound ethical business principles or, you know, Mr. Regulator is going to come with his hammer. And that's, I think, one of the bigger risks here because there's a lot of fly-by-night. Now, the core people, I think there's a beautiful spirit, the core developers. You meet Vitalik Buterin when he is a, he's a benign dictator uh, in the Ethereum space. And I think there really is a, a very revolutionary spirit amongst the guys that are building this system. You know, it's funny you mention that because you talk about those people who are neck deep in, in some of these processes. The last fireside chat I did was not that long ago, maybe like maybe last month or a, a few weeks before that, and it was at the Security Traders of New York, the Stanley Annual Conference, and my fireside was with Blythe Masters, who is now running Digital Asset. She has now become, she's taken her expertise from basically being like you, one of the luminaries and visionaries at a young age on Wall Street, taking her career from JP Morgan, and then now running a blockchain company, in essence. When we talk about from a media perspective, the top two stories on the CNBC website this morning, guys, by the way, were both crypto involved. The first one was about the Ethereum flash crash that went to 10 cents and some guys got hammered because they were either margin called or stop lost out and the, the exchange is going to make up for it somehow. The second most popular story was that IBM European banks partnering on blockchain technology story. So, you know, Rabo, Deutsche, whoever, all these guys, HSBC are all kind of getting together. When we talk about crypto, we've spent a lot of time on the price aspect of it and, the, you know, the, the, the investing angle of it. How much of it is driven by the fundamental change that blockchain and distributed ledger technology could provide for changing the entire way that we operate? in terms of transactions of any type, versus, hey, check out what happened with Ethereum. It went up 4,000% of its high this year. I could have made a gazillion, what was it, $1,000 invested in Bitcoin seven years ago is worth $72 million now, that sort of thing. I mean, how, well, you're, you're in this space, you're neck deep in it, so, so what does that play out like? When you make money in a space, you dig in and try to figure out more about it. And so the fact that people are making money in the space, people are digging in and learning a lot more. Um, it's not just a, a fad. The, you wouldn't have, listen, there are, there are over 200,000 programmers out there. When, when Consensus put up, uh, uh, the, uh, they put up tools for, for developers, the developer tools on their website for free, they had 100,000 developers around the world download those tools to program on the Ethereum blockchain. So you have 200,000, I, I look at these as free employees, because uh, these are working on either the Ethereum system or the, the, the Bitcoin system out there. Um, 
Yeah, so there's real, real intellectual heft and capital going into building this new system. Um, the real hype is coming because there's a revolution happening, and it's, you know, in some ways it's a lot that sexy because it's the back of the TV. You know, like I like the front of the TV. I actually like being on TV. Um, it and, looks good uh, on TV, by the way. I'm gonna... But you know, it's the back of the TV. It's at the bank how things settle. Well, you know, you're a customer of the bank. You don't really care. Uh, and so, you know, a lot of people are going to lose their jobs because the way things settle is going to get a lot more efficient. Um, and so, in some ways, it's a quiet revolution. Want to get smarter fast? Read the latest from the CB Insights Intelligence Unit. Learn about our expert intelligence reports, briefs, and teardowns. Visit cbinsights.com forward slash research. There are some big picture ideas uh, that could be very disruptive. I think the, the killer app of all blockchain space is identity, where you get your own identity back. Right now I sign up with Facebook and I give away my preferences and clicks and I sign up with my healthcare and I give away my preferences and clicks and, and that could all come back, right? The blockchain can determine you are who you are. Uh, You've taken back ownership of your own identity. And that I think could be very disruptive to the big companies like you know Facebook and Google. Google yeah. Um, I'm surprising, I'm guessing the next move is you're gonna see, this is just speculation, but the Googles and the Facebooks start buying big chunks of the space up. Um, and so when I think of price, both of the companies and of, you know, we're not at a bubble yet because Fidelity hasn't bought into this yet. My hedge fund friends haven't bought into this yet. Cabbies aren't talking Google about Bitcoin. Yeah, but, yeah. It's, but it's getting there. You know, it's kind of first level frenzy. It'll go down and then there'll be a second level frenzy. Uh, the other thing that I think is very important is there's real money pouring into these companies all of a sudden. You know, $500 million raised in the last six weeks. That goes into building out infrastructure, building out companies. Some of these companies are going to suck, just like Pets.com sucked, and some are going to be the next Googles. And so I do think this is a real revolution. You're still early, uh, and so we're adding resources. Uh, we're participating in the ICO world. We're participating in the venture side of it, uh, looking for great CEOs. Uh, so from the ICO standpoint, we, we approached it during our last, last discussion, and I think you caught the tail end of that one. How 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 much more prevalent can ICOs become? I mean, the runway is, I mean, I can imagine it, I, you but, know, but is it going to be as, are we going to speak about them as, as kind of you know routinely as could they listen in the in the blockchain space they are completely disrupting the traditional venture capital space like why would you do go do a venture round if you could do the ico and, and get money at a better valuation and not give up ownership um it's a tricky line i think the regulatory bodies are going to really de define how that system works and i think we're too early to really know where they come out um, you know, Blockchain Capital did a ICO on a fund, which was courageous and pretty cool. Um, you know, it was a small, a small deal. They raised $10 million, but it was the first one on a fund. Like, in essence, creating a closed-end fund overnight. Uh, if that happens, that's going to completely, if that gains steam, it'll completely change the way venture capital gets done and looked at. You know, you're providing liquidity 
uh, into an illiquid space. I, that gets me nervous always. I like liquidity where there's underlying liquidity. And because so, it's, it should be there. Right. Because that's kind of fake liquidity, but so it'll trade it, you know, when someone wants to sell it, there's a 40% down bid. But, you know, that's, that's a process that's starting. And so I, I really do think you've got to watch the regulators, but it could really change the way people raise capital, not just in blockchain space, but in the entire venture space. My mother had asked me one time about Bitcoin. I mean, I always said that that's the top, right? When my mom starts asking me about whether or not Bitcoin is a good investment. When we talk about this idea of Bitcoin being more accessible, what do you see as the next big avenue for, what's the next big development, the next big chapter when it comes to, to not Bitcoin per, per se, but just cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology, that next evolution? We've talked a little bit about the broader, hey, what, what could be in the eighth or ninth inning, but what exactly could happen in the next maybe year or two that's really gonna kind of put, put it on the, on the map even more than it is already right now? So I think there, there are blockchain companies in almost every vertical um, you can think of. I, we just invested in a company called Fun, Funfair that is going to bring uh, blockchain to online gambling and it's going to make gambling fair and transparent and fun hence the name fun fair fun fair um built by a ceo who is a, a brilliant guy that was you know selling games to atari and nintendo when he was 21 years old and became a a knight of the round table a, you know obe i guess in, in britain you know he's a wealthy guy he's a great entrepreneur and this has been a dream of his and and like if that works and he executes well, it changes the online gambling world. And as, as you see these companies, there's blockchain companies in the music space, there's blockchain companies in the, the Uber space, you know, well, why do you need Uber if you could have a distributed trust version of Uber? As these companies, and some will work and catch on, that will change the story. That'll give the, the story the second level of juice of saying, well, wait a minute. Um, I value, you know, my own kind of back of the envelope way of valuing these things is if I think of the Ethereum space and I think of Ether as fuel, I need a little bit of fuel for every transaction that happens on the Ethereum blockchain. And so if I absolutely knew how many transactions there would be over the next 40 years and the slope of that line and I knew how much fuel I need I'd multiply fuel times transaction and there there's my market cap and and so as you see these companies build and work and people using them more blocks on that blockchain that should drive valuation I'm gonna put you on the spot we're about a couple minutes over right now but if 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 I was to say to you, and please, uh, as a journalist, I want to know, but feel no obligation to answer if you don't want to. Is there a limit order that you have down there below right now for Bitcoin prices or, yeah, yeah. or Ether? Or, I mean, I, I you said you've been kind of you've been selling into some of the strength. Uh, I'm kind of curious where is the pullback where you'd be. Interested I think in it, you yeah. know, I'll give you some ranges. I think if you Bitcoin got back to 1600, you'd be buying a lot of it. Uh, and I think Ether at 150 to 200, you probably accumulate the stuff that you sold above 300. Um, I don't think, you know, again, a $20 billion market cap at, at Ether sounds about right uh, for where we are. Uh, again, 
Do I know? No, I'm just guessing. Uh, Bitcoin's an interesting one because I don't think Bitcoin becomes the protocol that everything gets built around, but I think Bitcoin has a, a very interesting use case because it was first, that it becomes the digital gold, the store of value. And I don't think it becomes a currency that people use. It might in some faraway places, but like our currency works pretty damn well. And currencies- It is the reserve currency of the world. And currencies by definition have to trade in a low volatility band, right? I can't buy this flour one day for a dollar and it's three dollars the next day. Or milk know. or bread for that matter. Or bread. And so, but I do think Bitcoin as a, a digital store of wealth, that use case has happened and I don't think it's going away. And in lots of parts of the world, it feels really good to have your money there versus a banking system that you don't trust. Like for us in the US, we're, we're okay with our banking system. I don't think Chase is gonna like steal my money. Uh, but in lots of parts of the world, people don't feel as comfortable. And so I kind of see, you know, Bitcoin, that Bitcoin gold relationship is a pretty, is a pretty tight one, you know, and you know, old people might want to buy gold, but I know my kids would rather buy Bitcoin than gold. And so I kind of think as the generation shifts, you're gonna see that use case continue. And so I don't think it's an either or, you know, we bet on almost all of these systems because sure. like, I'm not such a technical guy to understand which is gonna win. Right. Um, we, we've now put you guys back by four minutes. But anyway, thank you very much, Mike Novogratz, for t taking us through the world of Bitcoin. And thank you guys very much for your time here as well. CB Insights creates the software platform used by companies like GE, Cisco, and Castrol to predict emerging trends, see competitors' playbooks, stalk the smart money, and identify tomorrow's challenges. To learn more about us, visit cbinsights.com.